everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Daily Grind. Joining us today on the podcast is Ryan Kuhn. Ryan is the co-founder and CEO of Avail, an all-in-one software solution designed for do-it-yourself landlords. Prior to Avail, Ryan was an investment banking associate at BMO Capital Markets. Ryan is a hardworking spirit, and together with his co-founder, Lawrence, they developed the idea for their company on a napkin that now solves the needs of thousands of landlords. His goal is to help the real estate market to become as transparent and as efficient as the stock market. Everyone be sure as always you have a pen, piece of paper, sit back and really dive deep in today's interview with Ryan Kuhn. Enjoy. Well, Ryan Kuhn, welcome to The Daily Grind, my friend. How are you? Thanks for having me, Colin. I'm really excited to be here. I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Awesome. Well, uh, Ryan, for people kind of being first introduced to you today, you know, if you wouldn't mind just kind of talking a little bit more as to who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, of course. So right now I am the co-founder and CEO of a company called Avail. Uh, we provide an online platform, an online set of tools that really is built to make the entire residential rental experience easy for what we call do-it-yourself or DIY landlords and their tenants. Um, in the States, about half of all the rentals are owned and managed by guys like us who yeah. are busy full-time professionals. They own a couple of properties on the side. And it's really this part of the market that we, we focus on helping. Um, prior to starting this company, I was an investment banker, uh, actually working for a Canadian bank. I worked for BMO of course, yeah. um, in their Chicago office and um, was there for about four years before deciding, hey, I want to do something more entrepreneurial. I don't want to wear a suit and work on LaSalle Street my whole career. Um, so eventually started thinking about the rentals, rental properties that I owned. I saw an opportunity to really build tools that would help make the process easier. Um, ended up leaving my full-time job, spent a few years actually learning Ruby on Rails. So learned how to code and oh, wow. in order to launch the business. So that's a bit about me, but um, yeah, it's been lots of highs and lows along the way. So as, as you were working in investment banking, you own, you own properties on the side as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was fortunate back through 08, 09, I had some extra cash sitting around that I was able to invest in a few single family homes mm -hmm. in the Chicago and area, um, almost up near the Wisconsin border, um, had bought a couple of properties. I was managing those in addition to a full-time job. I was managing those with a combination of spreadsheets, pen and paper, paper checks, um, <laughs> Chase QuickPay, Venmo, et cetera. And I eventually started thinking, you know, this is really inefficient for me. It wastes a lot of time. And then also the renters who are living in those properties, they've got a really poor experience. So how do we solve this? Um, and that was really what, what spawned the company that I'm running now called Avail. Interesting. So how many years into your BMO career did you start to kind of work on this as a side business? Yeah, for me, for me it was uh, probably around three and a half to four years in. I was hitting that point in my career where I was in my call it mid to late 20s mm -hmm. and I started realizing, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not learning nearly as much as I was those first couple of years. And for me as a lifelong learner, as someone who's just passionate about constantly trying to explore and create new things that was when it when it finally clicked and it's like this is no longer fun i'm no longer learning so let's go do something different interesting so the you, you're starting to take the courses and learn code like any did you have any experience in that at all or are you going in green 
Go, I mean, going in pretty much without anything. I mean, throughout college and high school, I had taken a few computer classes and stuff. But um, and then while in banking, you're writing Excel formulas, which um, I mean, Ruby writing actual code is is quite a bit different. But <laughs> the core logic and the core like thought process is is in some ways pretty similar. Interesting. So as you were doing this for Avail, did you get help, or or did were the first bit of code like you just did it yourself? Yeah, so I started the company uh, along with one other guy, one co-founder. Okay, um, he has a, a very similar background. He was actually at Goldman Sachs here in Chicago at the time. Uh, he's got more of a data science background, where he was doing a lot of uh, back office hedge fund analytics and stuff. Um, and so he and I simultaneously both learned to code along the way. When we got stuck and we encountered a couple of roadblocks that's where we'd pull in different people different experts different consultants and stuff but yeah the the majority of those first few years it was just him and me just banging away at code interesting i'm curious because like a lot of people you know you get out of university and you know you you want to get into a lot of people want to get into banking right like goldman sachs for a lot of people who are younger is almost like a dream job even what you were doing investment banking it's like make a lot of money. It's like kind of what you want. It's funny how you and your friend, along with other people, once you're in it, you start to realize that it's not really all it was kind of built up to be. Oh, that's a, that's a hundred percent true. I I think no matter what you're doing, um, the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, and you, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I know back, I forget what episode number it was, but you, you talked with Eric Satz from Alto IRA. Yeah. And I was listening to that earlier this week, just preparing for the show and stuff. And um, one of the things that he talked during the, about during that show was expect the unexpected. And I think that whether you're going into a nine to five career um, or you're starting a company, it's, it's the same thing. Like you don't know what you don't know. Um, the grass is greener. You just have to be willing to embrace and, and roll with the punches. Have you noticed like a, a trend, be it maybe a personality type that more so fits in with that corporate lifestyle, as opposed to maybe, you know, you and your friend and, and partner where you kind of more had that sort of entrepreneurial spirit and kind of moved into that? Yeah. I mean, I think looking both at my, uh, personal network, my, my close friends, family, along with professionally, I, I do think there's a certain type of person that is um, kind of more apt to go explore and mm-hmm. has more of an intellectual curiosity where they're always restless and they're always looking for that next thing. Um, for a lot of us entrepreneurs, that, that theme kind of runs through and through. Um, for other people, though, they've got different passions, different priorities, and maybe a career and maybe starting a business isn't in the cards for them. And that also doesn't make it wrong. I think it's yeah. different, different strokes for different folks. Like um, everyone needs to find what it is for them uh, that makes them happy. Yeah, I completely agree. So you start working on this company, like how long did it take for you guys to, to, to get like maybe from beginning to, to launch? Yeah, for us, I mean, we were simultaneously like learning to code while trying to hack together the initial product. Um, so that that process, I mean, it it was a painful probably two to three year period. Um, and then that was 2012, 13, 14. We launched in early 2015. Um, so we've been been grinding for a while. 
Um, but fortunately, today where we are here in June of 2020, we've got more than 180,000 owners and about 400,000 renters. Wow. Who rely on our platform every day for things like their, their rent payments. And so um, the, the last five years since launch has been um, certainly highs and lows, but directionally kind of up and to the right, which is what we like. So what's the business, what's your business model? Like, is it a free platform and you're taking a portion of the payments? Like, how does that work? Yeah, good question. So um, our product is completely free for landlords. Mm -hmm. uh, landlords with any number of units, any size portfolio, they can come on, they can use our basic tools, which are really powerful. They can use those basic tools completely free. Uh, wow. for, for owners who want premium functionality, they want additional customization, or they want their payments to be processed a lot faster, um, we do offer a premium service. Um, and that's really where the bulk of the revenue comes from is just some landlords. It's, it's very similar to like a Slack or a Zoom yeah. business model where um, they can use the free product, which is great. We love those people. Some, some smaller percentage of people uh, will upgrade and pay us. Um, and those are, are equally as powerful of customers. Very cool. So as you're building the company, did you take on any investors, venture capitalists, or is this all kind of your own money? Yeah, no, I mean, fortunately, I, I wish it was all, all our own money that we're building it. Um, I wish that we had retained all the equity and all the ownership, but um, we, we haven't. And as first-time entrepreneurs, I think um, we've been fortunate. We've been able to raise about $5.5 in outside capital. Wow. Um, but I think in addition to the capital, what we've gotten from our investors is more just knowledge, experience, insight, know-how into how to effectively build and grow and scale a company, um, especially over there. I'll, I'll say over the last few months with everything going on with COVID-19 and stuff, mm -hmm. it's been really, really beneficial for us to be able to reach out to those investors, ask questions about other downturns that they've seen. How have they handled it? Uh, what do they recommend in our, our situation? Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because I think so many people tell you to like, hold on to the equity. But oftentimes, like if it's your first go, you just want the product out there. You know, like <laughs> you just want it out there. I think that's where people kind of get stuck on. And correct me if I'm wrong, is like they're trying to keep everything, but it's like it's not it's not live yet. Yeah. I mean, I think there there's a whole idea of would you rather have a small piece of a big pie yeah. or a big piece of a tiny pie? Like, obviously, it's better to have that uh, and share the pie with others. And then there's also this notion that um, I think it's an old proverb where it's basically, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you got to go together. Mm -hmm. And we've really embraced that. I mean, we're fortunate. We've got some great investors uh, who have come alongside us and more than just the, the checks that they write, it's really about building that partnership and being able to help them help each other and really lean on each other and, um, we lean on, on our investors a lot. No doubt. So, you know, you mentioned you have around like five to 600,000 users on your, on your platform right now. When was, uh, was there sort of like a catalyst? Like maybe it was like a tipping point for you where you were kind of working and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, we're starting to see these amazing results. Was there, was there some sort of story there? Yeah, there, I would say it's been anything but kind of a, a, a linear progression where, um, we've been fortunate. We've been able to grow pretty significantly each year. Mm -hmm. And so there've been a number of things that we've learned along the way. 
Um, number one, first and foremost, I think listen to your customers. Um, that's something that, you know, early on, Lawrence, my co-founder and I, uh, we built the product that we wanted, mm -hmm. um, the product that we thought every other landlord wanted. Um, and while that ultimately became true, and while our initial like long vision of this end-to-end -end platform for landlords was true, there were a lot of nuances that we simply didn't understand. We didn't plan for, build for, what have you, um, that really required listening uh, to our customers, absorbing their feedback. Um, I think that's probably number one thing that's benefited us as we've grown. And I'll say that the more that we listen to our customers, uh, the, the better we are, the better, the faster the business is growing. And that's reflected both in the product, but I think also with how we market and how we tell the story. Mm. Um, I think about the whole like, um, you know, jobs to be done philosophy where um, like the whole Snickers campaign. Right. Yeah. And why do people walk into a convenience store and buy a Snickers? It's like because they're hungry. And, and that's where they came up with the whole marketing slogan, hungry, grab a Snickers. They actually like first went out and they listened to people who were buying Snickers and they asked them, why are you buying it? And they all said, because I'm hungry. And so they just flipped that. And that's been their marketing success so far. Interesting. So how did you engage with your customers? Like what were some things you did in order to get that feedback? Yeah, I think for us, it's been um, kind of a nonstop investment in, in opening up any line of communication. So we obviously send out emails and we send out surveys. Um, we also have opened up through our website, live chat. Uh, people can email us. They can awesome. contact us on social media. We've also got... We've actually got a phone number on our website. People can call. They can talk to someone here in our office in Chicago. Um, and we're everyone on the company is uh, trained to listen to that feedback. And we've got a system internally to process that. Very cool. So as you're, I mean, are you currently in real estate now yourself? Like, do you still own properties? And is that kind of something that you're actively growing to? Not as much growing. I would say more holding steady there. I mean... Uh, running this company that's growing fast, that we've got 25 employees today. We're expecting wow. to end the year at 35. Um, I mean, this is taking up 100% of my time right now. So I'm not out there scouting for properties, but do still have a couple. <laughs> so for someone listening, maybe they, they're thinking of getting a SaaS company kind of started for themselves. You know, they've been thinking about it for a while. They're in the process. Like what would be a, what would be something to kind of look out for? And then what would be maybe something like a great piece of advice that you got um, early on that would help them? Yeah, well, I think on, on your second part, a piece of advice that I got um, was was actually wrong. Um, and, and I would actually flip it and say, what do I wish I knew then that I know now? Um, I think that early on, a lot of people... Uh, kind of follow the lean startup methodology, which says just build something and get it out there into customers' hands as quick as you can. Um, and that that whole notion of build an MVP and then iterate on it. I think for me, going back, and, and that's actually what we did, we invested way too much time building product and we didn't focus enough on building an audience. Mm. And what I what I wish that we would have done early on um, is I wish that we had built 
content. I wish that we had started a podcast. I wish that we had really established our brand first and foremost as more of this like uh, knowledge base or more of a, a set of resources where those things honestly are, are, are a lot cheaper and easier and faster to spin up than, than building a whole software program. So while in addition, while the product is important, I think that the audience is something that a lot of entrepreneurs unfortunately overlook. And I think that hurts them a lot. Um, yeah. Do you feel like a lot of like SaaS companies kind of lack in that area of, of trying to build that audience and build that brand? A hundred percent. I think that's mm-hmm. one, of, one of the things that's way overlooked. I mean, if you can't get what, whatever the number is, a hundred, five hundred, a thousand people to subscribe and to listen and engage with your email updates or your podcast or whatever, it doesn't make like you don't need to go build software. You're not hitting on a pain point. Uh, don't do it. And you'll save yourself a lot of time and money. Yeah. Interesting. So is that something that as a company you're looking to do now, build your brand and obviously you're on the podcast. So like that, that's important to you, but like, what are some other things you're doing? Yeah, for us, I mean, we, like I mentioned, we built the product, we then got it out there and started getting feedback on talking with our customers. And one of the things that we learned through talking with customers is that they were starved for information. They were like hungry for not only tools that would make their lives easier, but they also wanted guidance and they wanted help and support on knowing what they should be doing and when they should be doing it. And so back in 2015, right after we launched the product, we said, look, we should probably start listening. Like we should absorb this feedback. And so we started creating uh, educational content. Uh, We now have a full-time team in-house that actually all they do is they create content. They answer questions from our customers. That's great. uh, Turn that into blog content and podcast content. Very cool. So what was the trend? What I want to know is obviously of 25, you're you're probably moving into 35 people here at the end of the year. What's the transition like been from you from obviously the beginning stages, you're kind of doing everything like your hands on, you're doing everything, but now you're moving into more of a leadership role. How's that been? Yeah, it's been, I mean, not without flaws, not without, I mean, it's been a good learning experience. And for Mm -hmm. me personally, it's been really fulfilling uh, going from like being on the front lines uh, writing code to now really trying to lead a team. Um, I think for me, I've, I've somewhat adopted this like servant leadership mentality where my, I look at my primary role is just helping teach, grow, develop all the people on our team. And if I can help all, each of them learn, grow and develop and become better uh, people, better professionals in whatever it is they want to do, um, our, our company will benefit. And I have a lot of fun these days, uh, really focusing on those three things. Interesting. Now do the, all your people, uh, do they come into the office typically? Cause I know obviously stuff got up, flipped upside down. So I'm kind of curious if, if you've had a transition there as well. Yeah. Great question. Um, you can actually see behind me, this is our office. Normally it's, it's packed full okay. of people. <laughs> um, everyone on our team works, uh, typically would work out of our office, uh, the last few months, though, it's been been weird. Um, mm-hmm. We were pretty early. March twelfth of this year um, was our first day being fully remote. Oh, that's pretty early. And um, it was well before the kind of lockdown and shelter in place here in Chicago. But we we felt it was important to put 
our team's health and safety first. Um, fortunately, we've been able to adapt really well and really quickly to this new environment. But um, I, I'll say I'm personally kind of looking forward to getting back to where we can all be in the same space. We can all work and collaborate, throw, throw ideas on the whiteboard. Um, I can pop into meetings when I want. Um, Interesting. And- I, I was wondering if like the last few months, maybe it kind of maybe changed you in terms of wanting to do stuff that's a little bit more outside of the office. So curious that you're, you're wanting, you, it seems like you enjoy more of the team atmosphere. I, I love that energy. Mm-hmm. I think it's really contagious. I think it's helpful. Uh, the one thing I'll say, though, is our team has been incredible through this period. And everyone, I think, if anything, productivity has gone up. I agree. Um, and it's so, so cool to see. So I think the one change going forward is as a leader, I'll definitely be more understanding and more willing to let people work, work remote, work how they want to work. Um, rather than try and force them into whatever um, work environment best suits me. Um, yeah. I think I've definitely learned learned that. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I grew up in sports and you kind of, you have different coaches as you grow up and some of them kind of force down your throat different things. And I mean, as an athlete, different athletes kind of take the different leadership styles differently. Like one, they perform better when people are harder on them and they're more involved than other people. It's more like, you know, just push me to the back and I perform better that way. So it's interesting how you're starting to see that. And and I think that honestly, I think more leaders are probably starting to see that themselves and understanding that, you know, maybe Mary performs better at home. So why not let her work at home? You know? Yeah. I think it, it, it's definitely exposed that, um, that that idea that what what's best for one person isn't best for everyone, and you really have to tailor the approach to the person. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just fit everything in the same box. Yeah, super interesting. So, as we're moving through this year, and hopefully things are going to start to somewhat get back to some normalcy, and we're going to fight through all this that's going on, and we can start to start to get some wins here. We need some wins in 2020, don't we? Mm-hmm. We really do. Oh man, we need some wins. We we've been stacking up the losses. So what what's the plan for the remainder of the year? Maybe even moving to twenty twenty one for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I think um, for us, we continue putting our customers first. Mm-hmm. One of our 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 core values that I I think about the most is customer centricity. So keeping customers at the center of everything we do will remain really important. Um, I think for us, we'll continue investing in building best-in-class tools and resources for landlords and tenants. Um, I think depending on what happens over the next couple months um, in terms of the rental market and in terms of the need for different rent relief programs, we may get more or less involved in advocating for certain policy changes. Mm -hmm. Um, That's an area that I've taken a, a real interest in recently is trying to understand the different um, mechanisms that are available, the different relief programs that are available. So, um, and then I think continuing to just build out a great team. Um, for me personally, I got a, a lot of satisfaction out of bringing together uh, really best in class professionals to, to accomplish the shared goal. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so I know you had mentioned 
you're big into personal development. You mentioned that kind of early on, and I think a lot of our listeners are as well. So what are some things that you do, whether it's a daily basis or some habits you have that you feel like are, are helping you maybe either during these times or just help you with, with productivity? Yeah, I think there's there's probably three things um, that I would, I would mention. And um, the first one has become especially important over the last few months where it's really just develop a routine and try and keep things somewhat normal. Um, I, I say that that's become important because I think it can be tempting while we're all working from home to just roll out of bed in your sweatpants and yeah. just start, start working. For me, it's been really important to have that routine where you get up, you get ready, you put on your normal work clothes, and then you like <laughs> you, you kind of mentally prepare for the work day and you kind of separate work and, and outside life. Um, so that routine is important. Number two, I think it's really important to take care of yourself. Um, and, and what I say by that is both physically and mentally, make sure that you're in the right mindset. Um, if you're trying to build a company, it is almost, it's way more detrimental to your company's success to try and like overwork yourself to not eat right, to drink too much, whatever. Um, like you got to really take good care of yourself. Um, and then number three, I think it's important to carve out some amount of time each day, each week for continuing to learn and, and develop yourself. I mean, I do that personally through listening to a lot of audiobooks, listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, I try and kind of two birds with one stone, listen to a lot of that stuff yeah. while I'm actually out running. Mm -hmm. So you get the, the physical exercise, but you also are, are learning along the way. Totally. I think it's important, right? I think <laughs> I've been doing this a while. So like when this happened, I'm used to it. I'm like, you got to get up, you got to put on your regular clothes because it's so easy just to sit in the pajamas all day and stink by five. Like it happens, <laughs> right? Like it's easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that routine. And I, I actually fortunately learned it. Um, we have one guy on our team who about six months ago, he moved from Chicago to New York. So he had uh, been doing the whole work from home thing for about three months before COVID hit. Gotcha. And I reached out to him back on March 12th and said, Hey, look, Wade, tell me <laughs> like, what are keys to success? What have you found that works and doesn't? Um, fortunately he, he had spent a lot of time thinking about it and was able to share that across our team. That's awesome. It's good to have people like that and just helps it like anything else. Like you said, that whether it's mentors or you're learning, like you need those things that help you kind of push forward and, and, excel the learning curve, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, why try and figure stuff out yourself if, if you can lean on others who've been there and encountered those same things before? No doubt. So if people wanted to check out Avail, like the platform, uh, where's the uh, best place to go? Yeah. Best place to go is to head over to our website. It's avail, A-V-A-I-L.co, avail.co. Um, we're also available on all of the different social media channels at Avail. So drop by, uh, check us out on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, hello avail, come by and say hello. Beautiful. And then if people wanted to, to like connect directly with you, whether it's like follow along on kind of your journey and what's going forward, is there a best place, whether that's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. Awesome. Uh, find me Ryan Kuhn avail should come up. Awesome. Well, I'll share all those out. Uh, the way we end the show here before we end this off is, uh, each at the end of each episode, we're going to give you the give you the floor. If you've heard 
obviously you've listened to the podcast before so you know that this is uh you know how this goes but you can share a thought of the day whether it's something that you're thinking about a message that you really want people to kind of resonate with just the way that a way for people just to to hear it out and the show yeah i think for right now the the thought that comes to mind is just um you go back to the old jimmy v who was a, a legendary college basketball coach in the states of course um he gave the the whole talk at the SBs about don't give up don't ever give up i think that's more important now than ever with what's going on around the world with different uh protests different with the pandemic i think it's really important just to you know again like like you said don't give up don't ever give up i love it well, uh, Ryan, man, appreciate your time. And thank you so much for jumping on the podcast today. It was awesome. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Colin. Really appreciate it. Talk soon. You got it. Everyone, hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, hit the subscribe button. Share this out with a friend. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, Colin Morgan signing off. And always remember to keep on grinding. <laughs>